Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hello, gardeners. Today on episode number 28, I want you to kill your garden. That's right, you heard me. Kill your garden. All right, hang on. Don't turn us off. The Healthy Garden Podcast has not gone insane, flipped its lid. I'm talking to you guys in terms of metaphor. I don't want you to actually kill your garden. I just want you to explore some of the ways that maybe we've been killing our gardens or the intent of our organic gardens for some time now. Now, on the other hand, if you've been growing in synthetic fertilizers, miracle Grow, sludge, years of free city or municipal compost, then by all means, kill your garden, literally. Grab a shovel, a hoe, a weed whacker, a pair of scissors, a rototiller, a chainsaw, a flamethrower, your friend's mini mower, whatever, and go to town. Let's strip that plot of death, that microbe cemetery, right down to the ground. Whoa there, gardener. Just in case you are new to the show... Just hang on a second and take some of what I say with a grain of salt. Now that's a metaphor or an idiom. What I am trying to do here is to get everyone to stop for a second, think, take pause and focus on the phrase, kill your garden. What are you getting from that? Anger, confusion, truth, fear, anxiety, hope, what? That sentence is a shocker meant to shock you to elicit a response. For me, I think about the Healthy Garden podcast as not so much a typical yada, yada, yada gardening show as much as I see it as a show about the Garden of Eden, our planet, our health, the soil, philosophy, psychology, true organics, the true organic revolution, banning faux organic, awareness, and one giant public service announcement without guitars. I'm going to look at ways today that we have knowingly or unknowingly been killing our gardens and maybe even ourselves bit by bit over time because maybe we didn't have the focus we needed to see the red flags, the problems that can arise from bad information, misinformation, and lack of information. Kill your garden isn't so much a marching order as it is one big halt. Let's stop and explore some of the ways in which we may have been involved in a cleverly planned mystery murder on the BBC about an industry that was plotting to kill your plants, your food, your soil, and in pulling off this devious crime, they were also going to kill your senses, your awareness, your mind, your spirit, and ultimately your garden.
new to organic gardening, getting rid of toxins in the garden is easy. Step one, flush your garden with one of the Malibu compost compost teas. Step two, top dress your beds and containers with booze blend compost. The beneficial microbes in their farm-made, true organic, and non-GMO compost will break down the toxins found in harmful garden soils and fertilizers and ultimately flush them into the aquifer. It's that simple. And keep doing that over and over and over. Check in with your local nursery for the Malibu Compost line or go online at malibucompost.com. Right. I'm glad you're still with me because I am definitely going to make this magical mystery tour worth taking. I'm a big believer in words, meanings, definitions. I like the use of language and I love to hear the music and the cadence in words and phrases. Kill your garden can be said in so many ways. Kill your garden. Kill your garden. Kill your garden. Kill your garden? All of them with a different inflection and a different meaning. As I said in the opening, it could be a directive to go out and do it, kill your garden, or it can be a metaphor. My best buds at Merriam-Webster define metaphor as a noun meaning, a figure of speech in which a word or phrase literally denoting one kind of object or idea is used in place of another to suggest a likeness or analogy between them, as in drowning in money. Some of the suspects of this murder mystery might be drowning in money. Let's look at some of the classic gardening metaphors. All things grow with love. Ah, an apple never falls far from the tree. As common as dirt, as delicate as a flower, as fresh as a daisy. As poor as dirt, as solid as the ground we stand on. Beat around the bush, beat it into the ground. Beauty is a fading flower. That's the one that describes me. All of those phrases have a little bit different meaning to all of us. It depends on when we heard them, where we were when we saw them, who we learned them from. Context plays a great big part of our experience. So let's look at some of the players in this murder mystery that we are now involved in. There are going to be several suspects to look at, as well as the motive for the crime, potential accomplices, the victim or victims, and ultimately the crime in solving the caper. Most of us have the best of intentions in our gardens, and we garden because we love nature. We want to grow healthy food. We enjoy the aesthetics of gardening, and it's fun. The problem for me arises when we get to the point of where did our gardening knowledge come from? Who taught us? Who influences us? How do we make our buying decisions? 
And why do we buy the gardening products we buy and sometimes continue to buy over and over? So let's look at clue number one. Who taught us how to garden? This can be a big one because we generally, as humans, don't like to change and we like to follow the guidelines set by the experts that we learn from. Whether it's a parent, a grandparent, a garden group or club, the master gardeners or some whiz kid on YouTube, we all love to pay homage to our teachers. Well, what if they were wrong? What if they have zero organic knowledge? What if they think they know how to grow organic, but in fact they've been duped by the faux organic conspiracy? Good questions, right? Clue number two. Who influenced or influences us in gardening? The same group of people up above could be our influencers, but to find the sphere of influence around us in the gardening world, we must cast the net further, pick up some more fish than just the usual suspects. Are you in a garden club? Are we impressed with the senior members of the people who, that carry an air of, I know what the heck I'm doing here, rookie? They're a little intimidating, aren't they? I've met them at the clubs that I've spoken at, or at the lawn and garden shows, they always look at you like they're about to bite your head off if you dare question them or even ask them a stupid question like Chef Gordon Ramsay in an episode of Hell's Kitchen. They want you to fall in line and do what they say because that what they say is gospel. Not. Let me tell you, folks, I have met more people who were experts, and that's in quotes, or the big kahuna in clubs and groups who are only doing what they were taught over and over. And therefore, that's the way it needs to be done. Well, as one of my icons, Jeff Spicoli, said in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that's totally bogus. Question authority. Especially if you're in a master gardening program, The teachers there have all been taught a university curriculum on home gardening, which qualifies them to be master gardeners. University curricula is paid for by the suspects in our garden murder mystery, and they want to make sure that you are using methods and protocols that include the use of the chemical company's products, even their organic chemical products, fertilizers that may be outdated, faux organic, or just absolutely unnecessary. And lastly, many of the master gardeners that I know just love themselves that free city and municipal compost. It's loaded with poison from the green bins that are collected in your municipality that are filled with green waste doused with Roundup, pyrethrins, pyrethroids, copper arsenate, lead, and a whole host of other deadly poisons. But they still tell you it's perfectly harmless to use it in the community garden. Besides, It's free! Clue number three. How do we make our buying decisions? What shows do we watch? I love Gardener's World on the BBC and it's host Monty Don. He's awesome and I love what he does on his property called Long Meadow in Herefordshire, England. He does an amazing job of putting out good, clean, organic gardening. His message is without poisons and chemicals. But there are parts of the show 
that adhere to the traditional old school RHS type of garden shows and growers and collectors and landscapers. And most of these folks definitely do not garden like me or like Monty Don. Even though I like Monty and I watch his show and enjoy his show, I don't know where he gets his manure from. Is it conventional or organic dairy? My guess is it's organic. But in my world, that is critical information. Information that the killers in our episode don't want you to know or even question. Do you follow celebrity gardeners on social media, YouTube, podcasts, or HTV? Are any of them being sponsored by a lawn and garden company? Are they taking in money for products and then either telling you to use them or that they use them? Or that if you scroll down on the right-hand side of their website, it shows you a list of products that are recommended. Recommended out of the kindness of their hearts or because they're getting a check. These guys are the accomplices of the garden killers. They don't actually kill your garden. They just help set up the kill. So the plot thickens. We've got some potential suspects. Maybe a few motives, definitely a victim, even a few solid accomplices. Let's see where the kill your garden crime spree takes us next. It's Norma, biological farmer and producer of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Whenever I start a consultation at a new client's home or farm, I automatically assume that they or the previous owners have used the usual suspects on their land, because 100% of the time, they had. So I start with soil testing to look at the levels of metals and toxins. And also, I do biological testing to see if there's any microbes left after the kill. Then, depending on how bad the tests reveal, I flush the soil with a product called SLF-100 from South Cascade Organics, if horrendous. Then, I set down a 1-2 to inch layer of Booze Blend Biodynamic Compost from Malibu Compost throughout the soil. Their compost is the best I've ever used and I'll never turn back because it's aerobic, full of life soil, farm-made, non-GMO, and true organic. It's not faux organic. It's created on farms from organic grass-fed dairy cows and biodynamic preparations are added. I tell the clients to hand water in the compost for three weeks, to moisten the soil and infuse the life from the compost into the soil and start changing the soil texture and structure. After three weeks, I start the compost tea regimen 
where depending on what the client wants to grow, I will use one of Malibu compost, compost teas. The teas will feed the biology in the soil and add to the biology so that the plants will receive the nutrients they need. I do this every month thereafter, excluding the winter months, while composting in the spring, summer, and fall that first year. After the first year, the gardens and farms have grown into the start of a truly organic and healthy place for clients, their children, their pets, and an ecosystem starts to emerge. As in most murder mysteries, there's always a lot of irony involved. When I'm watching reruns of Columbo, for example, I always think that the murder is pretty stupid. I look at the guy in the mansion with the GTB Ferrari and think to myself, you had no other choice but to murder your bedridden wife because she's not fun anymore like she was when she wasn't bedridden. So now that you want to have an affair with your assistant, you have to come up and plot some ridiculous murder that we all know Columbo is totally going to solve. But yes, they always see no other way out. The murder or the murder suspect or suspects always have this mentality that there is no other choice but to kill. It's kind of what happened to our world after World War II and what happened with these giant chemical companies that we have. And I'm going to read you something from a report that I got. It's pretty interesting. The massive industry supply that supplies farmers with the tools to raise crops is on the brink of a watershed moment. High-profile deals that would see some of the largest global agrochemical companies combine are in the works and could have ripple effects from farm fields to dinner tables all across the globe. Six companies currently dominate the marketplace for agricultural seeds and farm chemicals like fertilizer and pesticides. BASF, Bayer, DuPont, Dow, Monsanto, and Syngenta. And of those, only BASF is not currently in discussions to merge. And this is a brand new development, gang. Dow and DuPont want to join forces and then spin off three separate companies, one of them dedicated to agriculture. Monsanto, currently the world's largest seed company, has accepted an offer from Bayer. And China National Chemical, known as ChemChina, wants to purchase Syngenta. In some ways, the growth and consolidation of the agricultural 
industry is a common story of American business. Growth snowballed until small companies become part of larger conglomerates. But farming, farming only transitioned from a self-contained enterprise to big business in the 20th century. And as the industry that produces our food, the consequence of corporate changes will reach nearly every American's dinner table. To understand the significance of this consolidation, you have to go back a century to look at how the industry got to where it is today. In the early 20th century, selective breeding for crop seeds leapt from the farm to the lab. Until the 1920s, farmers the world over had saved seeds from their best-looking plants to use the following year. But the creation of hybrid seed corn, which allowed a company to maintain lines of ultra-efficient parent varieties that were specifically bred for a particular region or use meant that companies could send traveling salesmen through rural areas to hawk their fancy seeds. The first buyers witnessed the seeds turn into profitable crops and that quickly led to widespread adoption. The transformation in corn began during the Great Depression. By the late 1960s, what most people think of as big ag looked an awful lot like big oil. Companies like Standard Oil of New Jersey, which is now Exxon Mobil got into buying seed companies and looking at ways they could use their fossil fuel industry interest, which of course is linked to fertilizers and pesticides as well, to become a one-stop retail shop for agricultural inputs of different types. Pat Mooney says Standard Oil of New Jersey didn't stay in, agri in agriculture for long, but a decade or so later, another big petroleum company, Shell Oil, bought up hundreds of seed companies and was briefly the biggest seed company around. They backed up and by the mid-70s, some pharmaceutical companies who also made pesticides saw a benefit of bringing seeds and pesticides together, isn't that nice, under one more cost-effective roof. Some of them spun off agriculture products into separate businesses. Others segregated them into a designated group, but kept them under the same parent company. Bayer and Syngenta both traced their roots to medicine. The last big watershed moment in the industry came in the 1990s with the dawn of genetically modified seeds. Introduction of these seeds, commonly known as GMOs, launched another phase of technological innovation that has become critical to commercial agriculture and with the dual result of aiding farmers and making many consumers wary of what that some term big agriculture. Many of the biggest chemical companies have been around for a long time and they've been producing fertilizers, pesticides, fungicides, herbicides that we've all inhaled, touched, eaten or drank in our soil, in our food, in our water, in the air we breathe. Modern man has constantly been exposed. So now our list of suspects is growing. Big Chem is at the top of our list of suspects. What's their motive? Money. That's one of the classic motives to kill for. I'm going to assume that most of the people listening to the show don't still garden or grow with synthetic or chemical fertilizers or use chemical pesticides and herbicides. If you do, that's all right. We're glad that you found the Healthy Garden Podcast. Welcome home. Please stay 
with us and open up your minds and your heart to the truth of this very real garden murder mystery. For you listeners that are growing true organic, awesome. For you listeners who aren't sure, keep listening. Keep trying to solve the crime that's occurring in your yard, your school, your community garden, or your park. We've given you some clues. We have the municipal composting facilities who bring you green waste compost, a lot of times for free. However, those composts are not free from pesticide, herbicide, and fungicide residues and are also loaded with pathogens from plant disease. They could be killing your plants, the microbes in your soil, the microbe in your gut, which affects your thinking, your emotions, and even your immune system. This is suspect number one in our kill your garden mystery. These potential killers might be using your garden club, master gardeners, garden experts, YouTube heroes, celebrity gardens, and even some of the soil companies out there that use green waste as one of their composted materials in their soil mixes, even organic soil mixes. Suspect number two are the big chemical companies who are making all kinds of fertilizers for agriculture and their little brother, the lawn and garden market. Many of the poisons and chemical fertilizers make their way into the lawn and garden mix. As we've all heard, the chemical glyphosate has been on the hot seat in the news and in the court system. A study that was published by the American Journal of Food and Chemical Toxicology from the University of Cannes in France linked glyphosate to kidney and liver damage, as well as tumors and premature death. Other studies have linked it to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Other chemicals like atrazine, the most commonly used herbicide in the U.S., is toxic to wildlife, causes low birth weights, birth defects, and cancer for those exposed pre-birth. Copper, lime dust, and copper spray used as an insecticide and fungicide is used in fruit production and to fight potato blight. It poisons symptoms range from rash, asthma, insomnia, autism, schizophrenia, and manic depression. Sounds like a good time. Codicide oil, a surfactant which aids the pesticide sticking to plants. It's made from rapeseed and is deemed safe. Although it's toxic to earthworms, bees, fish, when given to them in large quantities. Those are just a handful of the multitude of the toxic chemicals that suspect number two could be unleashing into your garden to kill your garden with or without your knowledge. Let's look at another suspect, one that has deadly methods of quietly killing your garden through many fertilizers and soil mixes that you might be using right now, today. Fans, meet our third suspect, Big Ag. What could Big Ag possibly have to do with snuffing out your veggie garden at home? Do you use blood meal, bone meal, feather meal? Will all these come from animals who are sadly fed GMO crops? And those GMO crops are sprayed with glyphosate, and the animals eat that residue with their feed, and once those poor animals are slaughtered or rendered, their blood, bone, and feathers are flash-frozen and pulverized into powder for use in your garden. Hopefully not your garden. Next, we have cottonseed meal. Many of the acid-loving fertilizer mixes out there have this highly toxic component. 
Cotton is sprayed with defoliants, used to kill the leaves on the cotton plants before mechanical pickers go out to harvest. It isn't uncommon for the mist of those powerful neurotoxins to drift into neighborhoods. Most people think cotton is a natural product. The reality is that cotton is one of the most chemically intensive crops in the world. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 84 million pounds of pesticides were applied to the nation's 14.4 million acres of cotton in the year 2000. And more than 2 billion pounds of fertilizers were spread on those same fields. Seven of the 15 pesticides commonly used on cotton in the United States are listed as possible, likely, probable, or known human carcinogens by the Environmental Protection Agency. And cotton defoliants are the most toxic farm chemical currently on the market. Hmm, I'm ready to book cotton for murder right now. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about chicken manure and hydrolyzed chicken manure. Herbicide and pesticide residues are also in commercial chicken feed. Their diets have soy, oil, and soy in them, and those are a GMO crop. Not to mention stuff that's sprayed with pesticides and other herbicides. Wheat, sorghum, barley. So what do we think about suspect number three? Is the fertilizer a soil company that you buy from an accomplice? I think we have enough evidence to wrap up the case for Kill Your Garden, don't you? I think we can pin this murder on big waste management, big chem, and big ag. They all have a hand in this murder. And they all have a motive. Greed. They all have cunning accomplices. Fertilizer companies, soil companies, municipalities, garden experts, university garden programs. These are the sneaky little ways that our killers are led into the mansion with the garden door unlocked. We have a victim, you and me and the whole world who has to put up with their nonsense. All of us. And our gardens die a little or a lot over time when we let one of these killers in. So what can you do? You can stand guard. You can become vigilant. You don't buy or support the poisons that these killers sell. You arm yourselves with true organic protocols. And you never, ever let these bastards near again to kill your garden. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.